So welcome back to our school district podcast, School Buzz. Today we're going to be talking about social emotional learning. And I have with me Trish Wilson and Marina, say your last name. Skates. Skates, okay. And we're going to just have them do a short introduction and then we'll start with our questions. So go ahead, Trish. Um, So my name is Trish Wilson. I'm the coordinator of climate, culture, and counselors for the Lancaster School District. Uh, my name is Marina Skates. I am a middle school counselor at Amargosa Creek. And Trish, how long have you worked for the district? Um, I've worked for the district about, I think I'm on my 22nd year. Oh, wow. Long time. Yeah. Your whole career been in uh, Lancaster School District? Yes. I started off as a, um, a special education teacher at Parkview. I taught 7th and 8th grade. And then... Um, I did that while I was going through my school psychology credential program. Um, I interned in the school district, and then I eventually got employment in the school district. Mm -hmm. So I was a school psychologist for 17 years, and now I'm in my fifth year of being a coordinator. All right. I think you started the district when you were three then, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Marina, how long have you worked for the school district? Um, This is my fifth school year working for the district. All right. We've had counselors that long, huh? Actually, longer. I think we've had counselors. The year before that was the first round of counselors that started within the district. It seems so brand new to me because whenever I was a teacher, there was no such thing as a counselor. We never had a counselor. And so to think of having a, another person on campus to help with kids, I'm like, wow, what a, a great thing that we've done. And we now have a counselor at every single school, right? That's correct. And do some schools have more than one counselor? Uh, yes, um, most majority of the middle schools do have two counselors um, that are there to service the kids. So it's been awesome to have someone to collaborate with on our campuses and just having that support of someone else to kind of bounce, bounce ideas off. So it's been a blessing to have two people at one site. That's great. That's great. Um, so what is the role of a school counselor? So that's a that's a that's a huge question. Yes. <laughs> um, the role of a school counselor, um, I think the way I like to describe it for myself is you're an advocate for students who are on a campus. You're really there to support the kids in whatever way that you can um, to make sure you're providing them with skills to be successful. Um, I think at the middle school level, it's such a unique population you're working with. Yes. So some days you come in, you're like, am I making a difference? But each day we really are. And so the main thing we focus on in Lancaster School District as counselors are focusing on that social, emotional, and attendance. So we really support kids in those three realms through small group counseling, classroom presentations, um, individual counseling. And so we really try to hone in and figure out what the kids need. Um, we really work work hard to work with our foster youth and our homeless population to make sure they have everything they need to be academically successful. Right. Um, because a lot of times those social and emotional things come in and they can't focus on academics until those social and emotional needs are taken care of. Um, we do prevention work through group counseling, like I said before, classroom presentations. So a lot of us focus on working with our sixth grade population, doing those presentations, giving them the skill set to be successful in middle school. And then conflict resolution and then behavioral interventions we provide as well. When you're doing counseling with a child, do you have to have the parent's permission or is it just that the child will come in for, for counseling? It depends on what type of counseling it is. So if it's on a more ongoing basis, like typically we provide counseling within a six-week group if it's parent permission. So mm-hmm. a kid has a skill they need to work on. So we say, okay, cool, the kid may say they have an issue with respecting authority. Mm-hmm. So we can make a make send home accounts permission slip. So if it's a six-week ongoing thing, yes, permission is needed. But if there's a drop-in thing, they have something going on, parent permission isn't required. Um, we do sometimes let parents know if it's something more complex, if something's going on. Mm-hmm. But besides that, it's more so if it's a drop-in, no parent permission is needed. But if it's an ongoing basis, parent permission is needed. Now, would a school counselor ever recommend to a 
a parent that, you know, maybe school counseling is not, not enough for your child, you might need to go get professional help? Absolutely. Okay. Um, absolutely. That's something we do is that's one of our another big things. We're big on providing uh, outside resources because we have at our school that we have almost a thousand kids. So there's no way two counselors can service all those kids. So right. we have something called school-based mental health. And so we can refer out to some of our community agencies that actually come and provide therapy on our campus. And that's for our students who, are, uh, who have Medi-Cal. But if they have insurance, um, we can provide them with outside counseling they can receive to get more intensive therapy. Um, without naming names, my daughter is dating a young man who has a, a kindergartner, and um, she's been kind of acting up in class a yes. little bit. And so they recommended some counseling, and he's like, absolutely not. No counselor's getting in the head of my kid. I'm like, no, you don't understand what school counseling is. It's like, let's talk about your behavior, and yes. if you do great, we'll give you a gold star here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not laying on a couch and psychoanalyzing no, somebody. I think the best way to describe it is you're helping them learn a skill. So say, for example, a kid is struggling with behavior and impulse control. So you're kind of giving them a skill set for six weeks on how to be successful and kind of control those impulses and control those wiggles and be successful. I I told him, I would recommend you listen to the school. And if she needs a little bit of counseling at the beginning to just learn how to be a kindergartner, that's a good thing. And I think it's awesome, especially in elementary school, because you're taking care of that. You're being preventative. You're taking care of those things the kids are struggling with. So it's not something that hinders them in the future. Now, I know as a a principal, I would hear from teachers sometimes like, I shouldn't have to teach this. This is something they should come with already. So why do we need to teach social-emotional skills? Well, social-emotional learning skills are important to be really successful in life. Um, Obviously, they're they're needed to be successful academically and in the school setting as well. But um, social-emotional learning skills are things like um, communicating effectively, Identifying and managing um, emotions such as anger and frustration and stress, um, navigating relationship skills and accepting differences, um, and um, negotiating compromises with other people. Also, um, it's all about social awareness and, and taking other people's perspectives and developing empathy for other people and making responsible decisions based on ethical standards, safety concerns, and social norms. So those are all really important skill sets that some students need explicitly taught. So that's why we, we teach those in, in our schools. Well, and you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't know how to communicate or get along with other people or share your ideas effectively, you're not going to have a job for very long. So to make sure that we, our kids have all the skills in their arsenal that they need, not just the, the academics, but the social-emotional, I think is very important for them. That's right. And, and yeah, and, and not only being able to acquire the academic knowledge, but also be, be able to navigate the social um, interactions with students in and out of school. Well, and I think it's, it's so great that we're now explicitly teaching some of these skills because I think it was before teachers would kind of, okay, this kid's struggling with this and let me kind of come up with my own idea to help them. But now we have a curriculum to go with that. And that's, you know, so instead of teachers having to reinvent the wheel all the time, there's something right there for them to help. So how are these lessons developed, delivered in the school? Um, so in a, we have a very formal uh, curriculum that we use within the district called Second Step. And so Second Step is uh, rooted in social and emotional learning that helps transform schools into supportive learning environments. It helps students thrive emotionally and academically because at the end of the day, you're getting those emotions in check and teaching them how to behave socially. And the goal is they're in class more. So if they're learning those things, they're in class actually being able to learn academically. It teaches them about empathy, communication styles, and it's a really effective program that helps these students thrive and learn. 
Do we have a different program for our little kids? I always heard Kelso's Choices. So, so in, at the <laughs> elementary school level, they do second step in Kelso's Choices. So elementary is fortunate to have two formal programs. Kelso's Choices is an awesome um, conflict management uh, system. And so essentially, it's teaching kids how to deal with conflict within themselves. So they learn about big problems versus small problems. And it really helps them identify how to self-regulate when there is conflict. That's great. Now, one of the things that I spend a lot of time working with is digital digital citizenship and seeing, you know, if people are searching for the wrong thing or using the um, computer wrong. Is there a component of digital citizenship within social emotional learning? <laughs> so I know for sure in second step, they do talk about cyberbullying and how to conduct yourself you know, socially on the internet. I know that is one component of second steps when I was looking at the different lessons, but I'm not exactly sure how deep it goes into the digital citizenship and all that stuff. But I know it discusses uh, cyberbullying and all that good stuff. Well, and that's one of the things that we really have to, our kids spend a lot of time on technology and we need them to navigate it as good citizens Mm -hmm. and uh, being positive online instead of, you know, tearing other people down. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's an area that comes up a lot, especially in the middle school, and and causes a lot of conflict among the students. So. Absolutely. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah it absolutely <laughs> does. And so, and that's kind of where we go on a more individualized basis, talking to kids. How do we conduct ourselves online? How could how could you affect someone with the way you're talking to them online? And so that's what a lot of our conflict resolution is around mm-hmm. is, you know, how to behave on online and via social media. So that's kind of where we can get that knowledge in on a more individualized basis. Now, do we do anything for parents to help parents? with social-emotional issues at home with their with children? All of the counselors do at least one parent training a year, and a lot of them have um, kind of targeted this area, mm-hmm. um, even as far as the how to navigate social media and monitor that um, right. for your child. I know that the Leadership Academy counselor just did a lesson on that um, two weeks ago for his parents, mm-hmm. but um, the counselors also do um, how you can bring PBIS into the home um, environment. And so there's there's various topics that parents are trained on. Um, but as a parent, I think probably the most um, important thing that they can do to teach their kids um, social-emotional learning skills is just to bring it up in natural situations. So helping, the, helping their kids identify their emotions. And when maybe the child has a, a temper tantrum or doesn't respond appropriately to a situation, to talk about it and how can we change that for next time and what's a better way of dealing with that and what could you have said instead of, you know, acted out physically, that sort of thing. But I think even more than that, I think for parents to model a, appropriate social emotional skills is is an important step too. It's just the kids look to the adults in their lives and how they're managing problems that they know is the appropriate actions to take. And I know when my kids were little, we talk, I, you know, bring up something that happened at work, like especially when you're a principal, because you have great stories when you're a principal <laughs> and how kids reacted or how parents reacted and then how I would react so that it would de-escalate them or, you know, keep, make them feel safe on campus um, and model that for my kids because you're right. Kids learn from their the adults in their life and they see people that just lose their, their temper all the time or don't know how to control themselves. They're going to pick up those skills and we want them to pick up the skills that are going to make them successful in life. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Tris, tell me the best thing about your job. The best thing about my job, um, I think it's just the wide variety of things that I do. Um, I have the opportunity to work with incredible professionals, um, with the counselors. We have 24 counselors. Um, and so working with the counselors is, is brings me a lot of joy and 
and I really enjoy that part of my um, my job. But I also work with our CUPS classes, mm-hmm. um, the Children Utilizing Behavioral Skills, which is a K through three program we have, um, and that takes a lot of time. Um, but then I also am working with our counselor, our special, our social emotional learning counselor, Christine Clark, is is piloting some social emotional learning screeners at four of our school sites. So we're doing that this year and analyzing the data and figuring out interventions. So that's that's another thing that I'm kind of um, into right now too. So there's a lot of different ver- things that I'm that I do with my job, and I like the variety. Now tell me a little bit more about those screeners. We have two screeners. Um, There's a middle school screener and an elementary screener. Uh, We administered it to all the students on um, two middle school campuses and two elementary campuses at the beginning of the school year. We met with the um, site principal, instructional aide, and the school counselor at each site and went over the data from those screeners. And then we talked about what interventions um, they could use in order to target the areas of need. And so is this a, an online program that they were doing, answering questions with, or was it a paper and pencil? For the middle school, it was a it was a Google form. Okay. Um, and then for the elementary school, it was an interactive um, program that was that was computer based. So it was a scenario sort of um, where the students had an animated scenario that they had to you know problem solve through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they were two different completely different ways of measuring social emotional learning skills. And we only did it at four schools. Yes, we're we're just trying them out to see how it goes this year and kind of work out the kinks before we make it more large scale. Okay. But we're also going to do a follow-up screener at the end of this school year so that we can compare the results to see whether our second step implementation and other things that the counselors are implementing is making a difference on our campus. Great. Marina, what's the best part about your job? I think working with kids and being an advocate is a really cool thing. It's just kids knowing they have one trusted adult on campus that can really be in their corner and support them neutrally. Um, I think just being honest with kids like, hey, this is how you messed up. How can you do better in the future? Because it's great to be reflective and have an adult you can become reflective with. Because a lot of times they depend on their friends and they don't necessarily get the best (laughs) advice. Um, So just being able to have that open door policy where kids can come, seek out help, come by for lunch to do work, whatever it is, however we can support them to help them be successful academically, that's that's my favorite part of my job. Have you ever had to go with a kid to talk to a teacher about an incident, uh, you know, to help them solve that problem? Absolutely. Um, And I encourage kids to do it all the time because like, oh, they come in, oh, me and my teacher, this happened. Well, you have to have that courageous conversation to fix that relationship and mend that relationship. I can't fix it for you. Your parents can't fix it for you. It's a collaboration of a team effort. And so we can all go together, have that conversation and say, hey, this is how we can do better in the future and how we can improve this situation. Great. Now, I know we're, we're right in the middle of doing the Youth Truth um, survey. Do the counselors or do Trish, do you ever look at that information that comes back from kids about how they're feeling about school or some of the problems that exist? I, I can say we do my principal. My principal sat down with me right before the end of school year last year and was like, hey, we got to figure out something to way to use this data and information to really support these kids to make them feel included, to make sure they are a part of our campus. And so we looked at that data. We came up with some action plans and action steps we're going to do throughout the year to try, make, try to make kids feel happy and safe at school. That's great because I, I was at New Vista and, and they have a leadership class there. And the girls there said that they go out and they look for people that are sitting by themselves and they'll go and say, can I eat lunch with you? Can I be your friend? And I thought, what What a great program. And obviously a teacher that's running that, that's really targeting to include kids and making them feel part of the community. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great thing to do. Yeah. 
I, I know on the youth troops, when I had seen it, I was surprised by how many kids said that they had suicidal thoughts. I was like, oh, I did not realize that children were under that kind of stress. Um, you think of childhood as being very happy and easy and um, that a lot of kids are, were feeling like they were contemplating that. And that was a little bit scary to see that information. And I think that's, yes, especially at the middle school level, is really eye-opening. I think it's great that we provide suicide prevention presentations. That's what I actually did all day today. Okay. And I think it's a really good thing for kids to know about the warning signs, triggers, talk about emotions, talk about how to handle those emotions, because everyone's afraid to talk about how to deal with it. And mm -hmm. so it's such a quiet or, or whispered topic, but I think it's important to create awareness to keep our kids safe. Um, and kids have, are very responsive to it. They come talk to us afterwards. So I think it's a really awesome thing we're doing at the district is providing those presentations to our kids. And is that something that's district-wide, Trish? Yeah, and actually it's it's mandated through AB 2246, which is an assembly bill um, that w went into effect about three years ago. And it requires all um, schools that have um, students between 7th and 12th grade to um, provide student um, suicide prevention lessons mm -hmm. as well as staff suicide prevention um, training. So we not only do the, the trainings in the, um, in the 7th and 8th grade classes, but we also um, do staff trainings. And this year we've expanded the staff trainings to all of our schools, not just the middle schools, so Great. even elementary. So what does that look like for staff? Are they looking for like for warning signs of children that are in distress? Yeah, it, it goes over the warning signs, the risk factors, um, what we call protective factors. So, so, you know, components of of a situation that may help a child so that they, they aren't thinking of, of suicidal thoughts. Um, also, just how to deal with um, a student that comes to you that says that they are thinking of, of suicide or mm -hmm. thinking of killing themselves or hurting themselves in some way, what what our staff members need to do from there so that they're equipped to deal with that situation. And that's great. I bet the teachers enjoy that because if you had a kid that came up and said, I would be like, oh, I'm not sure what to do. And, and to have that information ahead of time would be very helpful. Yeah, it's a scary situation. And especially when you're dealing with, with student lives, you want to make sure that everyone's equipped to deal with that appropriately. Excellent. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for coming on. This was very good and um, a good topic to talk about because I think a lot of people don't think about social emotional learning. And it's such an important topic and the skills that our kids need to have. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And as you tune out, listen to Kelly Stock and our students at Sierra singing Simple Truths. Uh, teachers, if you have other recordings of students singing, I would love to hear them at some time um, and have some other kids on, on the podcast. You can find this podcast on iHeartRadio, on Sprecher, on SoundCloud, and um, on the district webpage. So I hope you will listen more often. Thank you.